Let's go. With all this bread, I need a bigger stomach. Yeah. My name ring bell so you can hear me coming. Yeah. Made it all on my own. They ain't give me nothing. Yeah. And I'm still standing like a set of crutches. Yeah. Ain't no way they gon' forget my name. Uh -uh. I'm a legend, putting in work ever since I came. This ain't your umbrella, no, it can't stop my rain. You in the carpool, I'm in a different lane. I just wake up every morning, every morning, and go get the chains. Do my own dirty work, work, and I won't get a stain. I'm too heavy in this game. And you better know it, hustle speaks for itself. I ain't even gotta show some it. Legends are told, some turn to dust or to gold, but you will remember me. Yeah. Remember me for centuries. Let's go! Just one mistake is all it will take. We'll so, for all of us that can't breathe, that's not coronavirus in the air, that's still smoke. Yes, we live in the valley. Yes, it sucks. I personally cannot breathe at all. What about you guys? I mean, it's, it's, this last like four weeks, it feels like <laughs> I haven't had an inhaler with me 24 seven. Oh, I know it freaks me out because I know it. one of the symptoms is shortness of breath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, sorry, Jeanette. No, I said I've been pushing it. I've been still out jogging, even if that's the last breath I'll take. She's hardcore. Yeah, I I try to stay out of it as much as possible because like literally just standing outside is like smoking a carton of Marlboro cigarettes. And <laughs> personally, don't get mad at me for saying this, Mom. If I'm gonna smoke a carton, I'm gonna smoke a carton of cigarettes. I'm not gonna stand in the campfire. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I heard don't some of the rumors for saying that uh, it was potentially hot coals that were thrown at a dumpster that started this whole thing. That's one of, one of them. The other one is my personal favorite, is that it was a leftist radical group that was trying to stop the Trump rally in the Central Valley. So Yeah. <laughs> I, I am still fully on the HARP satellite thing. Um, you know, watch the YouTube videos, check it out. Just so everyone knows, we are being totally facetious right now. We're not actually believing this <laughs> because that's we have to put that disclaimer on it because it's 2020 and people believe anything at this point. Yes, well, I mean, yes. we're indoors. If there are people that believe the, <laughs> if there are people that believe that the Earth is flat, <laughs> I I don't I'm even know what to say about those guys. I'm just gonna leave it there. Yeah, it's called a horizon. People, look at it. Okay. <laughs> well, in the effort of getting this thing moving, you know, this is this is one of the the first official Century Ag podcasts. Shout out! Let's go. I'm really excited about the whole rebrand. We're going to do what we're going to probably dub the lightning round. So, Connor, lead us off, you know, fast and furious, and let's see what we can do here because I'm kind of excited for what we can try. Yes, yes. Are, are we going to do a summary at the beginning still? Nah, let's just, let's just try oh, the, the lightning round, no. and then we'll, you know, I don't know. If you want to do it, you're the, still Mr. The, summary. The one, the one thing that was my claim to fame is now being ripped away from me. Okay, this so we can still job. do a summary. Feel no, free. We're taking away his job. It's fine. We're not here to nope. take away jobs. No, nope, that's cool. It. It's fine. I'm going to talk about <laughs> my article. All right. Well, <laughs> you do that then, honey. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, so uh, we each have two minutes. Snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to quickly rifle through some articles that we saw this week that um, caught our interest. So I'm actually breaking the rules already with this because um, it was supposed to be something that was relevant to what's been in uh, the media lately, but um, I'm really bad about keeping up with 
news articles sometimes because uh, work emails are obviously priority. <laughs> yeah. And this is an article that I actually have shelved and have been wanting to read for a long time. Um, and it's actually uh, talking about the new potential cure, I'm doing air quotes, potential cure for the HLB or the one lung bing um, citrus screening disease to other people. Yep. And so uh, the article quickly uh, runs through and it talks about um, what UC Riverside researchers have found out, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, actually another citrus uh, relative that's actually native to Australia has natural compounds in it that are available to help <clears throat> combat against HLB or citrus screening disease. And so nice. what they're doing, yeah, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So it's good news, uh, not only for the citrus market, but for folks such as myself that actually have citrus trees in their yard. Um, mm -hmm. Because, um, interesting little tidbit here, the article actually says that 60% of California residents have some sort of a citrus plant in their yard. That so, is true. I confirm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeanette went out and checked every household in the state for that mm -hmm. record right there. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it was mainly, about 60%. Yes. Mainly <laughs> because my family likes to have uh, a lemon tree and citrus tree. And for my friends that know out there, we know we like to season everything with lemon. So. The limon. Limon. So it's yep. true. Sorry, Connor. We're running all over the place no, now. No, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, so it's it's uh, Dr. Jin at UC Riverside is the one that's been running the study, and it's not it's not finished yet. Um, it's it's part of a five year long research project, and I know a lot of people have heard about it, but I was personally excited about it. I'm uh, obviously a big fan of the citrus industry here in the valley, and mm -hmm. I know that this is also a good thing for. Um, the other uh, citrus relatives out in uh, the Florida region too. So this would be great is if we could actually find a way to truly combat uh, this uh, devastating disease. So that is my article for this week. Beautiful. I, uh, I gotta say citrus is probably like my second favorite too, because it definitely, it's, it holds the record for best smelling crop in the central Valley, hands down. Yeah, definitely. Hands down. Yeah, I was uh -huh. really needing you guys to chime in there because now I just sound like I creepily smell everything. So, <laughs> no, no, it is true. I mean, it, thanks you know. for making me the butt of a Joe Biden joke. Appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, when you're walking down the trees, like I just love the aroma, especially when the wind kicks in and it like, yeah. blows my way. It smells nice. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Okay, so my part of the lightning round here. Uh, I'm going to stick to water because that's my lifeblood and you know how much I love that water stuff. So kicking it off is that the interesting thing that I've kind of been looking at is that in Northern California, there's actually the, the drought rating that it was at at the end of September, it was getting close to being in an exceptional drought. And right now it's in an extreme drought kind of on the Western side of the Northern Valley, which is interesting because that's a part of California that it's our largest freshwater supply in California. It's the Sacramento River Shed. So interesting that there's drought conditions. The drought conditions actually aren't as bad down in Kern County. It's not even an abnormally dry in most of the growing region down there. So take that for what it's worth. And that's a weird weather pattern. 
The good part is, though, is that it looks like towards the end of this week, which if you're down here in the valley, just like all of us, uh, it's actually going to hit the high 70s to mid 70s towards the end of the week because there is rain coming to Northern California, which means that the first snow of the year might actually happen and the snowpack's going to start. So hallelujah. Hopefully it's a good year. And uh, I, for one, am excited for 70 degrees. Oh, my God. I'm so tired of it being 100. Mm -hmm. I was so scared that we weren't going to get any rain. Well, Well, it hasn't done it yet. (laughs) It hasn't done it yet. As as history shows. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I do remember when we first first moved into our, our actual house that we built up in Shaver on October 31st was when we got the first snow of the season. And that was the last time it did that for the duration that I continued to live up there before I moved down for college. So um, since I was 11, it's been getting progressively and progressively later in the year. Ooh, Just an observation. I'm not claiming anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Don't. Yeah. We don't make statements here. We just make ideas. Um, come, come talk to me if you like. I'll be more than happy to explain. Exactly. So, <laughs> The, the last part of kind of my lightning round, I know it's going a little longer than two minutes, but I think this is an important thing to look at, is so the Creek Fire that we kind of talked about at the very beginning of the episode, obviously it has burned over 325,000 acres. It's the single largest individual wildfire in California history. Uh, personally, my mom was almost evacuated from it. A lot of people that I went to high school with lost their homes. Uh, Connor, the area that you grew up in that you were just talking about was affected by this fire. So the we've looked at kind of the human aspect of the whole thing but what we haven't looked at is the fact that 25 percent of the san joaquin river shed is now charred forest and what does that mean in the grander scheme of things so i'm i'm not a huge ecologist or environmental scientist but i was reading an article about how the fire basically shut down the operations of the big creek facilities that socal edison runs that send water down the whole eastern side of the valley so the water that originates where the creek fire is goes all the way down to places like delano to irrigate vines it's out in orange cove for irrigation um and they completely stopped sending water until the end of september it went back online september 29th and millerton lake actually almost hit its lowest point ever the like so low that the frank kern canal would have stopped flowing Mm -hmm. and i think that's just crazy but the the water's flowing again because they're getting a handle on the fire but looking to the long term we don't know what's going to happen but i would imagine with a giant charred forest like that we're going to have a lot more sediment there's going to be some water quality issues um, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting couple of years as we begin to recover from this. And it's amazing how something that happened in Fresno and Madera County, the effects are going to be feel, felt all the way to Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you just a real quick anecdote, anecdotal story. Um, a little redundant there, excuse me. You're good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we have our, we have our family's boat up at the, uh, Shaver Marina up there. And so my my dad and my youngest brother went up there to go and retrieve it just recently. And while they were up there, they were scouting around and seeing all the damage and everything. And he said um, he saw these weird birds that weren't local to the area, but obviously were migratory. And yeah. he said at one part of the lake, there was like 30 of these 
dead birds just floating on the top of the water. Like they had all just recently died and all just landed in this one spot. So talking about Eesh. ecological impact, um, you got to think if it's affecting the birds, it's also affecting the fish that are in the lake. It's affecting the, am- yep. the amphibious life. It's infecting the microbial life. Sorry, I'm getting into my biologist background here. No, you're but good. You're it's correct. all important. You are correct, though. And, and that was a good point to bring up that um, this is going to have a lasting impact uh, beyond the fire actually being 100% contained. Mm-hmm. Now, on the upside, this would be really good. <laughs> this would be science. really good as far as... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be really good for, uh, you know, getting the uh, <laughs> the soil renewed, adding some, yep. you know, breaking down some of that material faster to get incorporated into the soil structure, so on and so forth. So just thought I'd throw that out there. No, it's all good. It's, it's insanely, I don't even know how to describe it. I saw a video from somebody I know that actually went to Sierra High School, and uh, that's where Connor went. But just the videos that we're seeing from up in the high country they were going up to try to find cattle that they couldn't get out before they got locked out in the evacuation order i mean it, it's just pencil sticking out of ground just blackened pencils it's it's truly amazing how devastating this was and i am uh not optimistically looking forward to it but i'm going to try before it starts snowing and after they get a good handle on things i'm actually going to take a drive up there just because where i used to go to 4-h camp as a kid was actually right in the path of it so i am going to go see if all those little memories you had as a kid you know if any of that still exists and actually my best friend they have a cattle camp that's up there in the high country that it is gone uh, so we're going to go just kind of explore around and, and check things out because it's it's truly altered everything we ever knew up there. Mm-hmm. So sorry yep. sorry to make it depressing at the end, but I'm kind of no, sad I, by yeah. it. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to become a total restoration project to where we're even going to have to find new research to find better ways to implement this and become more sustainable on that end and figure out what is that we have left, what do we have to do to make it work, and rejuvenate it you know yeah i disagree slightly i think uh i think this is a wake-up call i don't think it's uh about rejuvenation and i'm actually encouraged as horrible as it sounds i feel very obviously i feel for my community for the members Mm -hmm. that have lost their homes and um it, it obviously hits very close to home and i was very depressed when this was all going down um however John Muir in his memoirs talks about how clean the forest was and that um, in his words you could ride a horse at a full gallop and never um, have fear of encountering running into a tree so looking at how unhealthy the forest was so this is I guess let me say that this is the silver lining in it all in it all um, you know because there's a bunch <laughs> there's a bunch of tragedy in all this but the silver lining is yep. we will actually get to see the forest for what it was when it was being maintained by the Native American people that were uh, living here prior, the nomadic mm-hmm. people, the, the Mono, and all the other tribes that lived in the Sierras that actually took care of it and maintained it the way that it needed to be. And I think this will be a wake-up call uh, to local legislator and state legislature to say, we obviously need to do a better job at forest management. Mm-hmm. loggers and logging industry are not here to be bad guys they're not here to do clear cuts they're here to make sure that 
this, this exact situation does not happen, and you did not allow them to do that. So yep. I actually have the opposite. I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's a wake-up call. It, I mean, f- 4 million acres of California has burned between June and now. If, if that's not a wake-up call, I mean, there's 8 million irrigated acres in our valley. Half of our valley's landmass is on fire or has been on fire. So take that with, you know, take that for what it is. That's all I'll say about it. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Let's jump into the other depressing topic of the day. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, th- th- that's just the thing. Sometimes, you know, you get kicked when you're down and you get kicked more when you're down. I mean, I, I can tell you right it. now. Yeah, we're going to talk about Prop 15 probably next week, and that's going to get me all riled up. So Mm. we'll leave that Mm. one out for now. I might actually have an anonymous uh, interviewee come on and go back and forth with you because that would be really interesting. Uh, Um, I'm down. And I I know he listens, So, and the person that I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about. So think about it. I'll talk to you about it later. Okay, perfect. Not anonymous to me, but anonymous to everybody else. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anonymous to everybody else um, for other reasons. But yeah. So. He's in the FBI. What? <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah. So. Yeah. So labor, Connor. Let's, uh, let's talk about labor. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. One of the most hotly contested topics, um, not only in the state, uh, not only in the nation but also specifically for agriculture oh yes obviously worldwide but you know close to home talking about um agriculture and labor always a really tough topic so um you know we put together some talking points today that we were going to start working through just just some of our thoughts that we thought obviously <laughs> yep would be would be good points to um, not only have all of us digest together but you as the listeners and you as the audience to start thinking through obviously we would love for um, the population to become more active uh, obviously we're living in a world where people's voices can be heard and uh, movements can be put together and have a bigger impact so I think that's great we're being American, we're exercising our rights, and uh, if we can help to be some of that fuel to help get people's minds moving and off of the phones, um, obviously not off of the phones, listen to the podcast and then get off your phones. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yes. So yeah, so uh, in, you know, where should, where should we dive in? Because obviously this is a very complex topic. This is also a very contested topic. Yes. How, you, how, would, how would you guys like to jump into this? My vote is that we start at the beginning. <laughs> God said, let there be light. Let oh there be God. light. No, <laughs> I, I think the beginning of this conversation starts with the sliding scale that California's minimum wage is still on as we approach $15 an hour. Cause okay, fair enough. I, I actually, off the top of my head, it's 2020. Are we supposed to be at 15 in 2025 or 2023? So I actually just looked looked it up. Um, I believe it's 2023 because uh, the statistic that I found was that it's it's depending on which sector you're in and depending where you're at in the state, it's 12 to 13 an hour currently. Mm-hmm. And um, actually,
actually, this is the really encouraging part. I haven't had heard a lot of people talking about this, but farm workers are actually getting an extra bump of $3 on top of that to counteract for the COVID pandemic. Where is that extra $3 coming from? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think It's like, wait a minute. Did we just get voluntold? So, wait, I don't get it. I thought well, it's... the Trump administration was trying to cut wages. We're talking just California's minimum wage, not so, even not even the federal minimum wage. Yeah, so if if I guess if you were to think about unemployment has gone up, so there's that and then on top of that there's been stimulus bill the stimulus bill that has come out the second stimulus bill that has been proposed and then on top of that uh supply chains have been cut but that doesn't mean that the stock market is still not working and that does not mean that that debt is still not being traded so Mm -hmm. that's a very fluffy cowardly answer for potentially where some of this comes from oh wait hold on Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it's actually AB 2915 is where um, is what's proposing at least where this emergency bill uh, for this extra three, $3 an hour for farm workers. And that's Got the other it. thing too is it's specifically for farm workers. Okay. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Well, is I if it's a state-funded program, I mean – we're all going to pay for it eventually, so it's it's better than coming straight out of somebody else's pocket, though. Yeah, At least yeah. there's some pooling of resources there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Sorry, what were you we, we going to say? Oh no, I was going to say what what is the current minimum wage right now? Because I I don't know. How much? Twelve to thirteen. Twelve to thirteen, and that's that's said. based off of the twenty five employees or greater, twenty five employees or less. Probably. That, that's yeah that's the differentiator so mm. there's an extra year if you have less than 25 employees oh, okay, um, gotcha. yeah so okay so we're at 13 bucks an hour there's an extra three dollars tacked on which would theoretically if we were two years down the road be 18 dollars an hour and in order you're not going to keep people at 18 dollars an hour everybody wants to make more money so they're going to go find the next guy that pays them more so labor's probably going to be after the cost of paying their time paying for their actual benefits and the taxes and everything behind it. I think that's a good rule of thumbs, like one and a half or 1.4 their yearly salary. And I think 22 bucks an hour comes out to 50 grand. I yeah. think. Yeah. About 20. So we're, yeah, around that eight. Yeah. so we're, we're looking at like people are now it, it basically, I, I can go on the record and say this basically my job in, in 20, in 2023 i'm minimum wage (laughs) that's that's crazy and that's the scary part is that's assuming obviously that you aren't going to be getting any pay bumps yeah yeah exactly that's my point in time now and then the point then yeah yeah well i actually just saw on uh, the local news out of all places this morning they were actually talking that i think sweden is up to like Mm -hmm. 22 dollars an hour minimum wage how my question is, I, I mean, I haven't dug into the, the macroeconomics and the microeconomics. I just don't know how that works without raising the price of everything for consumers. I have no idea. Well, I know, obviously, 
in the in those types of models there's a lot of other things that are also incredibly high too obviously property tax mm -hmm. income tax are, is also very a whole lot higher um mm -hmm. you know there's there's other <laughs> other things than just the minimum wage the minimum wage is obviously the 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 hot the new hotness that everybody likes to talk about to get everybody riled up all exactly the, all the uneducated 17 year olds that get all riled up about it and start arguing about how much better europe is than america oh sorry. Boy. flashbacks to high school i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> well hey there there is an initiative sorry it's sidebar initiative on the mm -hmm. ballot right now that will allow 17 year olds to vote that's an interesting idea I think it's a terrible idea. Personally, I don't think we should be able to vote until we're 21. Like, how, think of think of all the stupid things, Connor. Actually, this is probably different for you. You're you're not as dumb as me. <laughs> I think of all of the stupid things I did between 18 and 21, and I could have voted in presidential. You know what I mean? It's just like mm -hmm. I feel very strongly. If you can't buy tobacco until 21, then you can't buy alcohol until you're 21. Personally, I think then, hey, you can't gamble till you're 21. You can't vote till you're 21. Like, create a threshold for adulthood. But if you think well, about it. Well, the threshold keeps getting pushed. So let's, let's just speak. Oh, so 17-year-olds are in high school. We're, we start beginning to become introduced to politics, U.S. history. We start talking about, you know, all of that. So our influence at the time are teachers. Now. If 17-year-olds begin to vote, they become more aware of the information that they're formulating with the help of teachers. Now, not to say that, I mean, because teachers are strictly, you know, they keep their political side to themselves. So that's, I mean, technically that's how it's supposed to be. I think it would be interesting to see 17-year-olds to start voting because I remember at that age, I was profoundly in tuned with political debates and knowing what's being affected around our community by the way that we vote. So I think that at an early age, we begin to encourage them to vote. Okay. Then by the same stroke, one of the big points of discussion was on the the when they raised the age limit for tobacco consumption and purchase mm -hmm. was that young people weren't aware of the dangers of tobacco and would not be able to make decisions for themselves the same conversation comes around whenever we think about changing alcohol restrictions young people aren't ready how if we cannot buy a beer or buy a cigarette and know the risks how are we expected to vote and partake in the civic process that defines everything? I just think that that, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I don't know. I know we're totally sidebarred right now, but I think this is no, a really cool conversation. Back, I think we can bring it back. But yeah. I want to I let you guys go because I feel like I've been too much. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good, dude. You're good. I, that's just that's kind of my thing is like if 17 year olds can vote a 17 year old can help i mean if we look at it demographically i don't know what it is there's a lot of 17 year olds okay right so let me put it on a different perspective at 17 mm -hmm. years old we're also 
de deciding where we want to go to college. So you're saying yep. at 17, we're not also able to make that decision? I mean, college is a big step. You're also considering yeah. whether you want to take that chance to also live alone, um, start becoming yep. more dependent. So why wouldn't voting be any different with making that decision? I, I guess my, my point of frame is actually I'm not so focused on 17 being the age to vote. I, I do personally think it's too young. I'm more coming from the thought process of the thought process of we have so many things that you have to wait till you're 21 to do. Right. But when you're 18, you can enlist in the military. Uh, when you're 16, you can get a driver's license. When, you know, there's all these different things. When you're 26, you get kicked off your parents' insurance. Like, I'm saying we should truly standardize some of this stuff. I think that that's just basic common sense, is that if it's something that personally affects you, alcohol purchase, tobacco purchase, voting, that should all be the same. All of it. And if, if we make the argument that we're not ready at 18 to make decisions about tobacco and alcohol then I think the exact same application to voting is. If I can't responsibly have a drink, there is no way you can expect me to responsibly vote. Yeah, but why is that? That's always been my biggest question because I know for some reason everybody goes back to the drinking. Why is drinking and drinking age the mm -hmm. bar for us to measure things against? That For something that's a substance that is controlled, yep. why are we using that as a bar and a standard I get I get military um, age I get voting I get um, well then able to, to rent a car those let's, those all to me make better sense for standards to measure against versus alcohol okay then and, and I don't disagree with you that's just the one that immediately came to my mind but mm -hmm. let's let's use gambling I can mm -hmm. gamble at 18 you know in a place that doesn't serve alcohol shout out table mountain that's um, right. They took, they took a lot of my money. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's, that's just kind of the thing is like, okay, substances, I'm not responsible enough. I got to wait till 21. Now you're telling me I could vote at 17. I could drive at 16 and then I can start gambling at 18. I can play the lottery. Money is, is almost, and this is just an argument I'll make money is almost a drug to some people they can't control oh, how they spend it and all that so it, again i'm kind of just i'm coming back to the same point of i i can see where you guys you're are coming right. from you're right you're right but i just want to standardize uh, no no keep going with that keep going at that because i'm not saying this on purpose i want you to i want you to get to this this conclusion we can okay. bring it back think about the topic that we're talking today Think about it in relation to what we're doing oh, right now. Yeah, I mean, you can start working at 16, but you're totally regulated. You can't mm -hmm. work full-time at 16. Uh -huh. You can only start working full-time at 18. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Okay, I see where you wanted the silver lining. So yeah, there you go. That brings it full circle for me now because you can make all these decisions, but if I can't be a full-term employee, yeah, if you can't work full-time, I don't think you should vote. There you go. I'll leave it at that. There it is. Yep. There it is. I don't think you should. Okay. Sorry, Jeanette, if you have anything else to add. I know I kind of railroaded that discussion. No, I mean, it's interesting. Kidding. No, it, it yeah, is what, what true, are you thinking? but because we're regulated, right? Technically, uh -huh. high school students are still going to school. 
which is why they can't have a full-time job. Yeah. If it was our choice, we're making money. Technically, we can claim taxes once we start working. Uh-huh. I go back to the same discussion. Why is it that, that we can't vote? But we can I pay see, taxes. I see where you're going right there. That's a little taxation without representation comment. And you know what? I know I'm going to sound like a total wishy-washy for flipping on that, no, but I totally no. agree with that. I totally agree with that. That, that makes a, good a point. lot of sense. That is a good point. Here's the other thing I'm going to bring up, too. Um, and it's obviously something that always gets brought up in a lot of discussions with technology. Think about, think about in times past. This has obviously been a rule for a very long time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think because of our access to technology, obviously us and also generations following us um, are less equipped to deal with the real world. Um, Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to go about selling my house. I had no idea how to um, open up a PG&E account. (laughs) Do your taxes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, screw that. Um, I got a guy for that. Yeah, I just bury all my money in a coffee can in the backyard. Um, IRS, he didn't just admit to that. That is not an admission of guilt. <laughs> Let's see your taxes. Sorry, we're not going there. <laughs> hopefully, um, ho- hopefully our conversations make you feel slightly enlightened or help you stimulate. <laughs> if we want to go back to that debate, I mean, I feel yeah. like we all just felt worse, but yeah, I'll leave no, that but, there. No, but, but, but think about it. Think about it. Generations in the past have had to learn how to do, uh, have had to learn skills and learn how the world works at much younger ages mm-hmm. because the option for college and the option and the, and the um, uh, access to information wasn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you see it all the time. Little kids don't have to go outside to go play. They sit on the tablet all day. So they're not they're not getting that additional learning about how the rest of the world works because they're only being fed the information that some developer or team of developers has put in front of them. So therefore Mm -hmm. I'm getting back to it. So therefore our, our quote unquote adults are not as adult as they have been in the past. And I think everybody can agree to that. Um, And so I think actually, moving the age backwards would be much more detrimental to the generation now and generations in the future than mm-hmm. it would have been in the past. So if you were to do this back in 1990, it would have been a totally different scenario. I think you potentially could have gotten away with it back then, but yeah. um, for the class of 2000, maybe not. Class of 2010, hmm, maybe not. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody here because that's hitting pretty close to home. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, I remember the very first time I voted was in uh, the 2011, and that was, you know, I felt very ill prepared to deal with a lot of that. Yep. Um, so, and I was of age, you know, I, I was I was 18, I was ready to vote, um, but I was very very overwhelmed with the entire process and the amount of information still mm-hmm. am today you look at those stinking pamphlets you read through it you read the quick snippet you think okay i think i'm ready to vote on this and then you read the pros and the cons down below and it's completely flipped on its head yep so you give that to somebody who's still trying to deal with 
a lot of hormones and it doesn't even have a full-time job and is trying to also deal with pressures from high school adolescence and you know life yeah yeah so not, not to say that that's the most busy and the most stressed out somebody's ever going to be <laughs> no no not at all but it's the most stressed you're going to be at that point in time yes yes but but your access to life experience is much less compared to than what you would be supposedly at 18 but that's wow. my philosophical rant for this episode. <laughs> there you go. Mr. Cunningham, what a wonderful world. <laughs> okay. So, so I apologize for railroading. <laughs> no, you're good. I guess, Jeanette, are, are you good? Did we kind of arrive? I mean, there's no conclusion there. We <laughs> just kind no of have a philosophical debate. And I can keep going, going back and forth with technology. Yeah. But we'll just end it oh, because yeah. we want to talk about labor. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right, so so jumping jumping back. So we were at minimum wage. We were talking through that. Um, I think it would actually be prudent that all three of us have worked in ag technology. Yes. I, I mean, Connor and I in automation, uh, Jeanette kind of data recording, data analysis. Um, if employees are going to cost minimum wage cost in 2024, we'll just say that because we already talked about that difference between the two different types of companies. If they're going to cost 70 grand, what does that mean to ag tech? Because personally, I would think that if all of my employees are now going to cost me 70 grand and I have 30 employees, I mean, that's now 30 times 70 and then add five zeros. We're talking about $2.1 million of salary expense. That's a huge number. What do you think that means for tech based off of the experiences that you've had? Connor, I'll let you go forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm still very close to it because I deal with it every, literally every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, I do tell a lot of the people that I work with and a lot of the people that I hope to work with that I'm not out to wipe out your entire entire labor force. Yep. You could do that if you wanted to, but I still do truly believe that you do need boots on the ground because automation is not going to replace every aspect of um, the human being on the farm. Now, mm -hmm. that's not to say there have been studies. There actually is a one acre test plot over in Europe that is completely autonomous. It has zero human touch from prepping the ground all the way to processing the actual product. So that's kind of terrifying that the possibility is there we're, we're basically one step away from the matrix or yeah seriously on netflix i don't know if you guys have seen that it's i haven't highly boring don't waste your time <laughs> <clears throat> but so i mean I, you know i'm actually surprised because um a lot of a lot of farmers are hungry for it a lot of farmers are hungry for automation because as much as they don't want to reduce the number of men that they and women that they have on the farm, it's out of necessity because, like you talked about at the beginning, there that, that sliding scale and the increasing minimum wage. It's it really is out of necessity, and if they want to stay in business, mm -hmm. they basically have to you know have a bit of a calloused heart. So, Connor, let me ask you this question too: mm -hmm. if if we look at it, I'm I'm kind of going down a train of thought now, and I want to use your expertise. Say I have. I'm, I'm a, a grower with a thousand acres and I mm -hmm. employ 20 people. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think it would cost? We'll do it in units of a hundred to make it simple mm-hmm. to fully. And when I say fully automate, make sure the irrigation systems automated, the measurement, the control, Jeanette, I'm also talking like the tractor automation, all that. What do you think on a per acre basis it costs? And then we'll multiply that by a hundred and multiply it by a thousand and see where we fall against that 2.1 million. Yeah. I need a bit of a scratch pad, you know, thinking about, thinking about it like that, because I know just on our end, um, looking at just doing, um, maybe one section, Mm -hmm. um, to get everything fully automated, you know, maybe 15 around, I'll just say approximately ballpark 15,000 first year to get started. How big is one section? So that would do the entire, that would do the entire filter station automation and Mm -hmm. potentially the valves out in the field. So I'm thinking, you know, um, that would be filter station and then uh, four blocks of 6,200 acres, assuming that they're each controlled by a single valve. Yeah, I could probably add about 15 grand. So if you compare that against the minimum wage and also the loaded cost of an employee, yep, even the first year startup cost is very attractive in comparison to having somebody out there. Now, then you then look at that and say, so that's the first year startup cost. Then the year after that, it's 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 a factor of ten less, <laughs> basically. It's two. It's two grand. Yeah, it's on it's a on a be, liberal side. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 a, a few grand to then maintain that system and have access to all those savings. So mm-hmm. then you then, you know, multiply that across multiple acreages and however many pumps and well sites you have. That's that's real savings right there. So obviously, when you're looking at it from a business perspective, this is incredibly attractive. The idea mm-hmm. of automation. Obviously, you know, we also talked to the folks at Gus thinking instead of having eight guys running sprayers, I can now have one guy running eight sprayers. So it's, and this is the, actually the idea that you started to open up and I don't know if you realize it or not. Um, You're a smart guy, so I'm sure you did, but thinking about the labor force shifting. Mm -hmm. Okay. If if you're going to be costing me, yeah, if you're going to be costing me 70 grand, I'm not going to be expecting you to just turn valves over, fix leaks, and, um, you know, run around the farm all day, I'm going to be wanting you to be doing more than that. Or so, not more than that, not more than that. Different, different. Yes. Things. Sorry, Jeanette, go ahead. So taking it into perspective of harvesting, we'll look into strawberry season. That's a highly intensive crop that requires a lot of labor. And yep. let's. I'm going to leave the name out of this company, but I was reading an article that they were the first company to have an automatic automatic harvester that they gained over $10 million. From the previous year, they only made about $5 million. So typically, during strawberry season, they employ about 55,000 people. And they have an acre size of 38,000. So as crisis hit, they were forced to transition into the automation process. Now, as they were beginning to look, they started to see, you know, major profit. And, mm-hmm. you know, low labor meaning low risk. So now a lot of people are worrying about 
where is my job going to go? So the question right now is farm workers are only working in the fields between the age of starting 21, meeting all the way up to 45, 50. That's the age that they're pushing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because that older generation is getting older, the younger generation isn't as attractive to go into the fields and do that work. Yeah. One of the solutions that they're trying to implement is farmers becoming more automated to woo that younger generation to come work for them and work with that mm-hmm. technology. Oh, interesting. So I you even see, thought about that. You see the plus side to it? So yeah. the reason why okay. I'm saying this is because a lot of people are having this negative connotation that fully automation... I mean, not to say that we're never going to get there, but it's coming. So the automation mm-hmm. process process is actually going to help fill that 10 to 20% of the workforce gap. So not to say it's going to take away the jobs, but it's actually going to cut the workforce in half to where they can actually become part of that automation process. Think about this too. It's also out of necessity, not only for the labor, but the other part that's going to be exacerbating the labor issue is also the availability of water. Yep. So it's it's going to be a need on both on both fronts. It's going to be a need because Sigma's coming down the line. It's going to be Mm -hmm. a need because of the already existing Senate Bill eighty eight, and it's also going to be a need because of uh, rising labor. Yeah, I you know this is again this is (laughs) what I sing all day long. Yeah, well, and you know, don't don't directly quote me on this, but this is something that I'm seeing in the work that I do. So, right now, and again, we'll go back to that. I'm a thousand acre almond farmer, right? Mm-hmm. My crop consumes about three point five acre feet of water. I need to apply four acre feet of water to get that three and a half. So I'm pumping four thousand acre feet of water if I'm in the white area. I'm not in a water district. When Sigma's fully implemented. I will be lucky to pump an acre foot of water out of the ground mm-hmm. per acre of land that I have. So I literally am getting 25% of the water I have now that I'm utilizing that will be available for me in the future. So the resource crunch outside of the labor issue is going to be absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the number one input we have is literally going to get cut down by three quarters in most places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, that's that's just what, <laughs> unfortunately, the sad reality of this all is. Is and then on top of that too, you have you have the increasing population, so that's putting additional demand on the infrastructure, mm-hmm. both power as we're seeing, and also um, the water infrastructure too. Yep. So it's 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 all about being as precise as we can be. And really, you know, the logo at Jane is, you know, more crop per drop. So making every, 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 every ounce, every acre foot, every, every hour that that pump is running count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we, there's something that you mentioned there about electricity and the lack thereof. We also now 
have that whole electrical car mandate by 2035. I mean, we won't even get down that roadway, but Ugh. it's just one resource crunch after another. Yep. And yep. I'm, I'm happy that, so automation, based off of what Jeanette said, automation is going to meet the gap in the industry. I mean, it will be expensive, but if, to go from five to 10 million in a year, uh, I'll tell you right now, anybody that looks at me and says, hey, if you spend $5 million with me, I'll make you $10 million. I'm going to go to a bank. I'm going to get $5 million at 25% interest, and I'm going to go do that because I'm going to be able to make my money back in a year. Yep. Yep. And I mean, I th- that's honestly typically what, what people who are using the automation on any scale are seeing is that the, the return on investment really is, you know, two, three years. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm being conservative there. We even see some people that are getting it, Get it within the first year or two. And if you guys think well, and, about it, oh, sorry, Josh. Oh no, I was just going to say that obviously we're, we're running on the assumption, and this isn't a shot at Jane by any means. I'm, I'm not trying to say that, but we are running on the assumption that the technology is working at least 95 percent of the time, that it's working well, that there's good quality Works all the time. Yes, quality. Yep. And I. J- and, well, and Jane, I know, is a quality product. That's why I wanted to preface it. I'm not taking a shot. Eric, if you're listening, we've met. I'm not going after you, I promise. I know you have good stuff. <laughs> but we have to – the technology industry has to meet that standard, that it has to be quality, that it has to work. Because if it doesn't work, we don't get the benefit. We actually get added cost. It's true. It's true. And and that's honestly what what is a huge benefit to me is – okay, I'm not going to try to get – too pitchy here but <laughs> you're talking about a personal experience it's not a pitch yes, we yes. understand it's it's a big deal because uh, you know josh you and i obviously came from a similar background before we're where we are today yep and seeing people trying to make it too fancy and trying to overcomplicate it mm-hmm. really was detrimental to our cause trying to get people onto the bandwagon that that we were promoting Yep. And then now to where I'm at now where it's it really is just simple terminal blocks being plugged in plugged into a piece of machinery that was field tested in the outbacks of Australia and has been being u- in use there um, since its conception and then has now been adopted here in the United States. That's the kind of stuff that is really important for people to um, consider and and I know there's tons of articles on this stuff and and I know our friend um, Actually, I don't know if I can say his name. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, though. Yes. Uh, up in Los Banos. Um, yes, yes, yes. He actually started a blog and started talking about um, all the pros and cons of all the technology that's out there because it's intimidating for a lot of guys who have been wanting and went into this thinking, I'm going to farm just like my grandfather did, but now out of necessity are being forced to look into all these other options. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up our, our friend up there in the, well, the west side of the valley. Uh, I actually had a contact reach out to me that's based out of Texas uh, that's working on that exact problem. Hmm. They're, they're figuring out what's quality and what's not quality and trying to put that all on a platform and deliver that knowledge to growers rapidly. That way there's not confusion. Hmm. Um, and I think she might want to come on and have a conversation with us. So I'm going to call her after this. Okay. Well, not after yep. this, literally, but you know what I mean. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, it would be like midnight where she is right now. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty close to it. 
Yeah. Well, I know we're we're kind of we had a, a big tangent there, but I think we covered a lot of bases, and I know we're getting close to that hour marker, and I think that this is a conversation we could probably have for days. Yes. Literally days. So mm-hmm. are you guys comfortable with kind of rounding out the conversation for now? And then I think really that this all ties into what's going to happen with Prop 15 and what's continuing to happen with Sigma. And mm-hmm. I think the next episode, that's probably something that we can talk about is how all of these things are you know, tie into each other. And maybe we'll play devil's advocate and develop the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, Let's I'm interested that. to hear Jeanette's final thoughts, though. I know she's... Yeah. We, we definitely have hijacked a lot of it, so... Yeah, sorry, no. I'm, I'm just a bad train driver. <laughs> well, no, th- I mean, my perspective upon labor is farmers are going to be pushed to be f- forced into automation. So as technology continues to improve and come out, yes, there's going to be mounts of overwhelming emotions as to where do, where do I go? What do I choose? What's the right plan for me? So at this moment, I do agree, information needs to be processed as simply as possible, but I think the best way to do that is by showing their own data what's going on at their own farm, because that's the only way that's actually Mm -hmm. going to truthfully impact them and realize this is what I need. But as to where I stand for automation, I think it's a great resource for us mainly because i continue to think as a new as a younger generation comes in they're going to be coming the new generation for us to go into school and focus on the careers that we want them to build within technology so we're almost forming them and trying to introduce them back into the field using the new devices that we have available and as, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna promote it, but you can simply program track and see all your data just by using your cell phone. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then on. Hmm. No, that's. Go ahead. Uh, that's all, I mean, that's where I stand. No, that actually, it, it, it actually made me think of something and uh, we're gonna do a shout out here to the old alumni. Uh, Fresno State does a really good job about having access to uh, a bunch of different options and a bunch of different um, technology and resources that uh, that give the next generation of farmers a look into how the industry is changing. So mm-hmm. Rob, I don't know if you listen, but do a really good job. And um, I'm really excited that the next generation gets to learn from you and all the other professors in the ag school there. Oh, no, tremendous amount of help. I mean, the professors that, not just to say because we're all Fresno State alumni, I mean, props because that is our school. Sorry, Josh's face. No, yeah. we, we are all Fresno State alumni. Yes, yeah. SCO, SCO freaking dogs. dogs. And yeah. congratulations but, to Dr. Joseph Castro, yes. the eighth chancellor Huge of the CSU. Out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah, that's very exciting. Sorry. I just railroaded it again, but oh my go God. ahead. No, <laughs> all I'm saying is the the staff, all the professors, all the doctors that, that we have there all come from different backgrounds that rely with different information that really do motivate the students to go to that 
deeper extent of research. And that's what I, I'm really like, like proud to say that that is my school. And it's, it's not just research that's theoretical. It's, it's research that is applied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing to say about Fresno is that it's get out there and get it done, not just talk about it and theorize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, they, Fresno State does a good job. I'm excited that they have that new research building there. And yep. I'm looking forward to the future and all the, the next generation of farmers and oh. ranchers and PCAs that come out of there. And then one what? more huge shout out that I want to do is a shout out to Fresno State Plant Science Club. They are doing tremendous things out there. So many I tremendous love those things. hats so bad. You guys, okay, if you guys do want one, Fresno State Plant Science Club is actually having a sale of their new design logo. Um, if you guys are interested in getting one, let me know. Um, reach out to me, and we can get you guys hooked on it. They look super awesome. I actually have one. So I will. Nice. Oh, what? You already got one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I want one. We'll, we'll talk after this. Okay. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Perfect. And hey, just, just so you know, and I'm going to preface what I'm about to say. If you're listening to this, um, you might want to turn it down just a little bit because we kind of got on a Fresno State rant, and I realized we haven't recorded some, since something really critically important in my life happened, um, and it happened last week. But uh, the dogs are back <laughs> October 24th. Let's go. Oh, I literally was at the Taco Bell drive through window when I saw the video post and I screamed LFG. And I'm not going to repeat that, but we all know what that means. And the lady in Taco Bell was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to kill us all. <laughs> He's high on meth right now. Yeah, but no, the dogs are back, baby. Castro is the new CSU chancellor. The Plant Science Club is badass i love my school i miss it i wish i could go back sometimes but i know that that's not going to be the case oh i go back all the time and then to round it <laughs> yeah well yeah you get to like physically go back but not no, like every I mean, day i actually life. go back and i actually help out the club every chance i get just i love being out there just um i can't describe to you the amount of things that they're doing i just someday i hope that we can bring someone on and actually talk about what is the new upcoming improvements that they're doing out there i would love to do that let's just do it let's, let's just we'll put rob that one on, on the calendar let's just get just... rob on here <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that wraps it up for today i'm excited for next week probably talking some prop 15 sigma how everything ties together this has been century ag i'm josh we've got Jeanette. we've got connor and connor just like we always in these things just just take it away the name may have changed but it doesn't discount the fact that you're still listening to the best gluten-free podcast around remix with the legendary juicy j let's go 
With all this bread, I need a bigger stomach. Yeah. My name ring bell so you can hear me coming. Yeah. Made it all on my own. They ain't give me nothing. Yeah. And I'm still standing like a set of crutches. Yeah. Ain't no way they gon' forget my name. Uh -uh. I'm a legend, putting in work ever since I came. This in your umbrella, no, it can't stop my rain. You in the carpool, I'm in a different lane. I just wake up every morning, every morning, and go get the change. Do my own dirty work, work, and I won't get a stain. I'm too heavy in this game, and you better know it. Hustle speaks for itself. I ain't even gotta show it. Legends are told, some turn to dust or to gold, but you will remember me. Remember me for centuries Let's go Just one mistake Is all it will take We'll go down in history Remember me for centuries Some legends are told 